Chapter 41 of Balsamo the Magician by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Water of Life He went to listen at Lorenzo's door, where she was sleeping evenly and sweetly. He opened a panel and looked in upon her, for some while in affectionate reverie. Closing the wicket, he stole away to his laboratory, where he put out the fire, by opening a register plate which sent most of the heat up the chimney and ran in water from a tank without. In a pocket-book he carefully fastened up the receipt of Cardinal Rohan, saying, "'The parole of a Rohan is all very well, but only for me, and the brothers will want to know yonder how I employ their money.' These words were dying on his lips when three sharp raps on the ceiling made him lift his head. "'Altatus wants me.' and in a hurry. That is a good sign. With a long iron rod he rapped in answer. He put away the tools, and by means of an iron ring in a trap overhead which was the floor of a dumb-waiter, as then they called elevators, he pulled this down to his feet. Placing himself in the center of it, he was carried gently, by no spring but a simple hydraulic machine, worked by the reservoir which had extinguished the fire, up to the study reserved for the old alchemist. This new dwelling was eight feet by nine in height, and sixteen in length. All the light came from a skylight, as the four walls were without inlet. It was, relatively to the house on wheels, a palace. The old man was sitting in his easy chair on casters, at the middle of a horseshoe-shaped table in iron, with a marble top, laden with a quantity of plants, books, tools, bottles, and papers, traced with cabalistic signs. Eh, chaos! He was so wrapped in thought that he was not disturbed by the entrance. A globe of crystal hung over his yellow and bald plate. In this a sort of serpent, fine and coiled like a spring, seemed to curl, and it sent forth a bright and unvarying light, without other apparent source of luminous supply than the chain supporting the globe might contain to transmit. He was candling a file of ground glass in his fingers as a good wife tries eggs. Well... "'Anything new?' said Balsamo, after having silently watched him for a while. "'Yes, yes. I am delighted, Akarat, for I have found what I sought.' "'Gold? Diamonds?' "'Pooh! They are pretty discoveries for my soul to rejoice over.' "'I suppose you mean your elixir in that case?' Yes, my boy, my elixir, life everlasting. Oh, so you are still harping on that string, said the younger sage sadly, for he thought his senior was following an idle dream, but without listening Altatus was lovingly peering into his file. The proportions are found at last, he mumbled, Elixir of Aristeus, twenty grams, balm of mercury, fifteen, precipitate of gold, fifteen, essence of Lebanon cedar, twenty-five grams. But it seems to me, bar the Aristean elixir, this is about what you last mixed up. That is so, but 
there was lacking the binding ingredient, without which the rest are no good. Can one procure it? Certainly. It is three drops of a child's arterial blood. And have you the child? gasped Balsamo, horrified. No, I expect you to find one for me. Master, you are mad. In what respect? asked the emotionless old man, licking with his tongue the stopper of the phial from which a little of the nectar had oozed. The child would be killed. What of it? The finer the child, the better the heart's blood. It cannot be. Children are no longer butchered, but brought up with care. Indeed. How fickle is the world. Three years ago we were offered more children than we knew what to do with, for four charges of gunpowder or a pint of trader's whiskey. That was on the Congo River in Africa, Master. I believe so. But it does not matter if the young is black. I remember that what they offered were sprightly, woolly-headed, jolly little urchins. Unfortunately, we are no longer on the Congo. We are in Paris. Well, we can embark from Marseille and be in Africa in six weeks. That can be done, but I must stay in France on serious business. Business? <laughs> sneered the old man, sending forth a peal of shrill laughter, most lugubrious. True, <laughs> I had forgotten that you have political clubs to organize, conspiracies to foster, and, in short, serious business. And he laughed again, forced and false. Balsamo held his peace, reserving his powers for the storm impending. How far has your business advanced? he inquired, painfully turning in his chair and fixing his large gray eyes on the pupil. I have thrown the first stone, he replied, feeling the glance go through him. The pool is stirred up. The mud is in agitation. The philosophic sediment. Yes. You are going to bring into play your utopias, fogs, and hollow dreams. These idiots dispute about the existence or non-existence of the Almighty, when they might become little gods themselves. Let us hear who are the famous philosophers whom you have enlisted.
I have already the leading poet and the greatest atheist of the age, who will be coming into France presently, to be made a Freemason in the lodge I am getting up in the old Jesuits' college, Portefeuille Street. His name is Voltaire. I do not know him. The next? I am to be introduced to the greatest sower of ideas of the century, the author of The Social Contract, Rousseau. He is not known to me either. I expect not, as you only know such old alchemists as Alfonso the Wise, Raymond Lully, Peter of Toledo, and Albert the Great. Because they are the only men who have really loved a life, sowed ideas that live and labored at the grand question of to be or not to be. There are two ways of living, master. I only know of one existing. But to return to your brace of philosophers, with their help, you intend to... Grasp the present and sap the future. How stupid they must be in this country to be lured away by ideas. No, it is because they have too much brains that they are led by ideas. And then I have a more powerful help than all the philosophers— the fact that monarchy has lasted sixteen hundred years in France, and the French are tired of it. Hence, they are going to overturn the throne, and you are backing them with all your forces. You fool! What good is the upsetting of this monarchy? going to do you. It will bring me nothing at the best, but it will be happiness for others. Come, come, I am in a good humor today, and can listen to your nonsense. Explain to me how you will obtain the general wheel and what it consists of. A ministry is in power, which is the last rampart defending the monarchy. It is a cabinet, brave, industrious, and intelligent, which might sustain this worn-out and staggering monarchy for yet twenty years. My aides will overturn it. Your philosophers? Oh, no for they are in favor of the ministry, for its head is a philosopher too. Then they are a selfish pack. What great imbeciles! I do not care to discuss what they are, for I do not know, said Balsamo, who was losing his patience. I only know that they will all cry down the next ministry when this one is destroyed. This new cabinet will have against it the philosophers and then the parliament. 
They will make such an uproar that the cabinet will persecute the philosophers and block the parliament. Then in mind and matter will be organized a sullen league, a tenacious, stubborn, restless opposition, which will attack everything, undermining and shaking. Instead of parliament, they will try to rule with judges appointed by the king. They will do everything for their appointer. With reason, they will be accused of inality, corruption, and injustice. The people will rise, and at last, royalty will have arrayed against its philosophy, which is intelligence, parliament, which is the middle class, and the mob, which is the people. In other words, the lever with which Archimedes can raise the world. Well, when you have lifted it, you will have to let it fall again. Yes, but when it falls, it will smash the royalty. To use your figurative language, when this worm-eaten monarchy is broken, what will come out of the ruins? Freedom. The French be free? Well, then there will be thirty millions of free men in France. Yes. Among them, do you not think there will be one with a bigger brain than another, who will rob them of freedom some fine morning, that he may have a larger share than his proper one for himself? Do you not remember a dog we had at Medina? which used to eat as much as all the rest together. Yes, and I remember that they all together pitched on him one day and devoured him. Because they were dogs. Men would have continued to give in to the greediest. Do you set the instincts of animals above the intelligence of man? Forsooth, the examples abound by which to prove it. Among the ancients was one Julius Caesar, and among the moderns one Oliver Cromwell, who ate up the Roman and the English cake without anybody snatching many crumbs away from them. Well, supposing such an usurper comes, he must die some day, being mortal. But before dying, he must do good to even those whom he oppressed. For he would have changed the nature of the upper classes. Obliged to have some kind of support, he will choose the popular as the strongest. To the equality which abases, he will oppose the kind which elevates. Equality has no fixed watermark, but takes the level of him who makes it. In raising the lowest classes, he will have hallowed a principle unknown before his time. The revolution will have made the French free. The protectorate of another Caesar or Cromwell will have made them equal. What a stupid fellow this is, 
said Altatus, starting in his chair. "'To spend twenty years in bringing up a child, so that he shall come and tell you who taught him all you knew. Men are equal.' before the law maybe but before death how about that one dies in three days another lives a hundred years men equals before they have conquered death oh the brute the triple brute Altatus sat back to laugh more freely at Balsamo, who kept his head lowered, gloomy and thoughtful. His instructor took pity on him. Unhappy sophist that you are, bear in mind one thing, that men will not be equals until they are immortal. Then they will be gods and these alone are undying. Immortal. What a dream, sighed the mesmerist. Dream? So is the steam, the electric fluid, all that we are hunting after, and not yet caught. A dream. But... We will seize, and they will be realities. Move with me, the dust of ages, and see that man in all times has been seeking what I am engaged upon. Under the different titles of the bliss, the best, the perfection. Had they found it, this decrepit world would be fresh and rosy as the morning. Instead, see the dry leaf, the corpse, the carrion heap. Is suffering desirable? The corpse pleasant to look upon? The carrion sweet? "'You yourself are saying that nobody has found this water of life?' observed Balsamo as the old man was interrupted by a dry cough. "'I tell you that nobody will find it.' "'By this rule there would be no discoveries. Do you think discoveries are novelties which are invented? Not so.' They are forgotten things coming up anew. Why, were the once found things forgotten? Because the inventor's life was too short for him to derive from it all its perfection. Twenty times they have nearly consummated the water of life. Kieran would have made Achilles completely immortal, but for the lack of the three drops of blood which you refuse me. In the flaw death found a passage and entered. 
I repeat that Kieran was another Altotis prevented by an Akarat from completing the work which would save all mankind by shielding it from the divine malediction. Well, what have you to say to that? Merely, said Balsamo, visibly shaken, that you have your work and I mine. Let each accomplish his at his risks and perils, but I will not second yours by a crime. A crime? When I ask but three drops of blood, one child, and you would deluge a country with billions of gallons. Tell me now, who is the cannibal of us two? <laughs> you do not answer me. My answer is that three drops would be nothing if you were sure of success. Are you sure? Who would send millions to the scaffold and battlefield? Can you stand up before the Creator and say, O oh, Master of Life, in return for four millions of slain men, I will warrant the happiness of humanity? Master, ask for something else, said Balsamo, eluding the point. Ha! You do not answer. You cannot answer, taunted Altatus triumphantly. You must be mistaken on the efficacy of the means. It is impossible. It looks as if you argued with me disputed deem me a liar said the old alchemist rolling with cold anger in his gray eyes under his white brows no but i am in contact with men and things and you dwell in a nook in the pure abstraction of a student i see the difficulties and have to point them out you would soon overcome such difficulties if you liked or believed. I do not believe. But do you believe that death is an incontestable thing, invincible and infinite? And when you see a dead body... Does not the perspiration come to your brow, and a regret is born in your breast? No regret comes into my breast, because I have familiarized myself to all human miseries, and I esteem life as a little thing. But I say in presence of the corpse, Dead, thou who wert mighty as a god, O oh, death, it is thou who reigns sovereignly, and nothing can prevail against thee. Altatus listened in silence, with no other token of impatience than fidgeting with a scalpel in his hands. When his disciple had finished the solemn and doleful phrase, 
he smiled while looking around, his eyes so burning that no secrets seemed to exist for him, stopped on a nook in the room where a little dog trembled on a handful of straw. It was the last of three of a kind, which Balsamo had provided on request of the elder for his experiments. "'Bring that dog to this table,' said he to Balsamo, who laid the creature on a marble slab. Seeming to foresee its doom, and having probably already been handled by the dissector, the animal shuddered, wriggled, and yelped at contact of the cold stone. "'So you believe in life?' "'Since you do in death,' squeaked Altatus. "'This dog looks live enough, eh?' "'Certainly, as it moves and whines. "'How ugly black dogs are! "'I should like white ones another time. "'Howl away, you cur!' <laughs> said the vivisectionist, with his lugubrious laugh. How to convince Grand Signor Akarat that you live? He pierced the animal at a certain muscle so that he whimpered instead of barking. Good. Push the bell of the air pump hither. But stay. I must ask what kind of death you prefer for him deem best i do not know what you mean death is death master very correct what you say and i agree with you since one kind of death is the same as another exhaust the air akarat Balsamo worked the air-pump, and the air in the bell of glass hissed out at the bottom, so that the little puppy grew uneasy at the first, looked around, began to sniff, put his paw to the issue till the pain of the pressure made him take it away, and then he fell suffocated, puffed up, and asphyxiated. Behold, the dog dead of apoplexy pronounced the sage. This is a fine mode, with no long suffering. But you do not seem fully convinced. I suppose you know how well-laden I am with resources, and you think I have the method of restoring the respiration. No, I am not supposing that. The dog is truly not alive. Never mind. We will make assurance doubly sure by killing the canine twice. Lift off the receiver, Akarat. The glass bell was removed, and there lay the victim, never stirring with eyes shut, and heart without a beat. Take the scalpel and sever the spinal column without cutting the larynx. 
I do so. Solely because you say it. And to finish the poor creature in case it be not dead, said the other with a smile of obstinacy peculiar to the aged. With one incision, Balsamo separated the vertebral column a couple of inches from the brain and opened a yawning gash. The body remained unmoving. He is an inert animal, I see cold forever without movement eh you say nothing prevails against death no power can restore even the appearance of life far less life itself to this carcass only the miracle of heaven but Heaven does not do such things. Supreme wisdom kills because there is reason or benefit to the act. An assassin said so, and he was quite right. Nature has an interest in the death. Now, what will you say if this dog opens his eyes? and looks at you it would much astonish me said the pupil smiling i am glad to hear that it would do as much as that as he drew the dog up to an apparatus which we know as a voltaic pile he rounded off his words with his false and grating laugh the pile was composed of a vessel containing strips of metal separated by felt all were bathed in acidulated water. Out of the cup came the two ends of wire, the poles, to speak technically. "'Which eye shall it open, Akarat?' inquired the experimentalist. "'The right.' The two extremities were brought together, but parted by a little silk on a neck muscle. In an instant the dog's right eye opened and stared at Balsamo, who could not help recoiling. "'Look out!' said the infernal jester with his dry laugh. "'Our dead dog is going to bite you!' <laughs> Indeed, the animal, in spite of its sundered spine, with gaping jaws and tremulous eye, suddenly got upon its four legs and tottered on them. With his hair bristling, Balsamo receded to the door, uncertain whether to flee or remain. "'But we must not frighten you to death in trying to teach you,' said Altatus, pushing back the cadaver and the machine, the contact broken, the carcass fell back into immovability. "'You see that we may arrive at the point I spoke of, my son, and prolong life, since we can annul death.' "'Not so, for you have only obtained a semblance of life,' objected Balsamo. "'In time we shall make it real. "'The Roman poets, and they were esteemed prophets, "'assert that Cassidius revived the dead.' "'But one objection. "'Supposing your elixir perfect and a dog given some,' 
It would live on until it fell into the hands of a dissector who would cut its throat. "'I thought you would take me there,' chuckled the old wizard, clapping his hands. "'Your elixir will not prevent a chimney falling on a man, a bullet going clear through him, or a horse kicking his skull open.' Altatus eyed the speaker like a fencer, watching his antagonist make a lunge which lays him open to defeat. "'No, no, no, and you are a true logician. No, my dear Akarat, such accidents cannot be avoided.' The wounds will still be made, but I can stop the vital spirit issuing by the whole. Look! Before the other could interfere, he drove the lancet into his arm. The old man had so little blood that it was some time flowing to the cut, but when it came it was abundantly. Great God! You have hurt yourself! cried the younger man. We must convince you. Taking up a phial of colorless fluid, he poured a few drops on the wound. Instantly the liquid congealed, or rather threw out fibers materializing, and soon a plaster of a yellow hue covered in the gash and staunched the flow. Balsamo had never seen Collodion, and he gazed in stupefaction at the old sage. "'You are the wisest of men, father.' "'At least if I have not dealt death a death-blow, "'I have given him a thrust "'under which he will find it hard to rise. "'You see, my son, "'that the human frame has brittle bones.' "'I will harden and yet supple them like steel.' It has blood which, in flowing out, carries life with it. I will stop the flow. The skin and flesh are soft. I will tan them, so that they will turn the edge of steel and blunt the points of spears, while bullets will flatten against it. Only let an Altatus live three hundred years. Well, give me what I want, and I shall live a thousand. Oh, my dear Akarat, all depends on you. Bring me the child. I will think it over, and do you likewise reflect. The sage darted a look of withering scorn on his adept. Go, he snarled. I will convince you later. Besides, human blood is not so precious that I cannot use a substitute. Go, and let me seek. I shall find. I have no need of you. Be gone. Balsamo walked over to the elevator and with a stamp of the foot caused it to carry him down to the other floor. Mute, crushed by the genius of this wizard, he was forced to believe in impossible things by his doing them. End of chapter 41 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia